Well, good morning, sisters and brothers. Uh, can I get you to turn with me, please, to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Uh, and let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word. Uh, and we pray that you speak to us now as we consider this passage. Uh, we pray that your Spirit will help us uh, to and not only to understand uh, what you're saying to us here, uh, but to uh, respond from the heart uh, that our attitudes and our behaviors uh, might better reflect uh, how you want us to be uh, and that we would be changed uh, into the image of your Son. Uh, so we commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Thursday marked, 40th, marked the 40th day after Easter. I don't know about you, uh, but to me those 40 days seem to have gone so quickly. Now, a few minutes ago we read what happened 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that is, he has given the place of ultimate glory and honor uh, and power in the universe. He is the king who reigns. We don't see that now, but when he comes back at the end of the age, he will be seen for who he is, that glorious king of all. And faith will be turned into sight. The Bible also tells us that when Jesus returns at the end of the age, he will raise us from death. We will ascend with him, and God's glory will be seen in us, even though we don't deserve it, because we are in Christ. He shares all that with us. In our reading from Colossians this morning, the Apostle Paul alludes to the fact that what will be a physical reality at the end of the age is a spiritual reality even now. For we put our trust in Jesus, God unites us spiritually with Him. What is true about Him is spiritually true about us. We have died with Him, and so our sins are paid for. We have been raised with Him, so we have a new spiritual life. We have ascended with Him, that is, we are spiritually seated with Him in the heavenly places, even though physically we are still here. And when He comes back at the end of the age, we will be seen for who we are as well. Faith will turn into sight. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about that because that is the reality that is going to drive our growth in Christ. And we'll see that in a few moments. But before we look at that, remember how in the last couple of weeks we've seen how God wants us to grow in Christ. He really wants us to, to keep on persevering and to becoming more like Christ. We are to grow in Christ, but not to grow away from Him. We've also seen how there were false teachers who were, who were trying to entice the Colossians away from Christ by adding other things to faith in Him. Uh, Christ is good, they say, but if you want to be really godly, if you want to be a super Christian, if you want to be really guaranteed of salvation, well, you need this as well. And, and Paul has to deal with these wrong models for spiritual growth. True godliness, he says, is godliness that comes from being in Christ. It's not about what you eat, what you observe, what you stop yourself from enjoying. It's not about visions or angels or Sabbaths or human regulations. It's about how you walk. It's about how you live. It's about how you relate to God, how you relate to other people. And we saw that key verse last week, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And remember it says this, As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. You receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. 
I, and today we're beginning to see how to do that walking, how to walk in Christ, how to have a lifestyle that comes from Him. When Paul talks about this lifestyle, uh, he always uses indicatives as the basis for the imperatives. And that's not just in the Apostle Paul's writings, it's, it's right throughout the Bible. Now, what does that mean though? An indicative is a statement of fact. Right? Uh, we are online. This is the month of May. I need a haircut. Right? Statements of facts, indicatives. An imperative is a command or request. Stay at home. Pay attention to the sermon. Brush your teeth every morning, even if you're not going out of the house. Right? These are statements of command or request, imperatives. And in the Bible, the indicatives are the basis for the imperatives. Remember how the Ten Commandments start? I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. And then only he says, have no other gods but me, don't make idols, etc, etc. Here in Colossians it's the same. Before God tells us what to do and what not to do, he tells us why. He gives us the indicatives. Look at the indicatives that describe our spiritual life uh, in verses 1 to 4 of Colossians chapter 3. Uh, verse 1 says, you have been raised with Christ. Right? We've been given new spiritual life in him. Uh, spiritually, we've been raised with him to heaven. We belong with him there. Verse 3 says, you have died. Right? Remember, Christ died, but his death, in his death, the penalty of our sin was paid. And since we're considered one with him, we're considered to have died. Sins have been paid by him. So spiritually, we have died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ to the new life. Uh, and verse 3 also says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Not only have we been raised with Christ spiritually, we have ascended with Christ to God. Our real life is in heaven. It is safe. No one can take it away. And it's hidden in the sense it cannot be seen. But one day we will see. And uh, verse 4 says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ returns, his glory will be seen by all. And the reality that is now hidden will become the glorious reality that is seen. And those who belong to that reality will be evident as well. Right? That's our spiritual status if we are in Christ. We don't need to earn it by following man-made rules. We don't need to grasp it by spiritual experiences. We don't need angels or other beings as mediators to get there. If we belong to Christ, that is ours already. And we know this is true. Why? Because we believe God's word. We trust God's promises. We can't see it now. Physically, we're still here. But we don't belong to this world. This is just temporary. It's like we're, we're in the waiting room, uh, waiting for the Zoom meeting to start. Our real life is with Christ in God. And when Christ returns, that's when life really gets going. Now, given that spirituality, Paul says, that we, we need to think differently and therefore act differently. And here are the imperatives, the things we're meant to do as a result. In verse 1, it says, if you've been raised with Christ, what do you do? Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Well, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on the earth. 
Right? If, if, if you think that this life is all there is, there is one way you behave. But if you really belong to heaven, if you put your heart on, you, you will put your heart on things that are of heaven. If Jesus is your Lord, then your goals, your aims, your ambitions, your outlook should reflect the things that Jesus thinks is important. You, you don't belong to this earth. You're not chasing the things of this earth. You're, you're seeking things of eternal benefit. You'll set your mind on those things. Just set your heart on those things. Making the passion, the goal, the orientation of your life, the things that are above. How do you do that? What does that look like? Well, that's what Paul tells us in the rest of the letter. Uh, and this week we're looking at the first bit of it, which is the negative bit. It's about things that we really need to get rid of since we belong to Christ. Because just because we are spiritually with Christ in heaven, it doesn't mean that we are free from the temptation to sin here on earth. Uh, we have an earthly part of us that really wants to sin. We have an earthly part of us that doesn't want to submit to Jesus. It doesn't want to become like him. And the Holy Spirit, speaking through the Apostle Paul, tells us in no uncertain terms what to do with it. In fact, he gives us a whole list of behaviors to get rid of uh, in two groups. Uh, the first group uh, is a list of sexual sins. Uh, in verse 5, he says, put to death what is earthly in you. And then he gives this list. Sexual immorality, that is unlawful intercourse, intercourse outside of marriage, put it to death. Impurity, any kind of, of immoral sexual conduct, put it to death. Passion, that is lust, put it to death. Evil desire, a strong lust for what is not right, put it to death. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? All forms of covetousness or greed is wrong, but in this case, Paul is probably talking about the greed for more and more immoral sensuality. And that's idolatry, because by indulging in it, you're putting it above God, who right now is telling you to stop. Put it to death. Friends, sex outside of marriage is wrong. In actuality or in fantasy, in body and in mind, in physical reality and in virtual reality, heterosexual or homosexual. If you're sleeping with someone, male or female, who is not your husband or not your wife, stop. If you're flirting or making out with someone who is not your husband or not your wife, stop. If you're fantasizing about someone who is not your husband or not your wife, stop. If you're doing those things online which you know you shouldn't be doing, stop. If you're looking at porn on the internet, stop. Put it to death. You belong to Christ. You belong in heaven. Set your minds on things above, not on these things. On account of these things, verse 6, the wrath of God is coming. These are things that God is going to punish the world for. How can you get caught up in them? Before you understood the gospel, before you believed in Christ, before you put your trust in Him, well, maybe that's what you used to do. In the Colossians culture, it might have been acceptable to do some of these things. And likewise in ours. In these, verse 7, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now we can't do that anymore. We can't walk in sin. We're meant to be walking in Christ. We live in Christ. We live for Christ. This behavior is not consistent with our new identity. We've got to stop. And it's not just the sex outside of marriage stuff. 
there are other things that characterize the Colossians' way of life before they turn to Christ, which needs to be put away. And the second list is about how they treated each other, relational sins. And here are some things they have to get rid of, and so do we. Verse 8, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Ongoing anger and bitterness, as well as tantrums of temper, they are not acceptable among God's people. Malice or troublemaking, spitefulness, put it away. Slander, speaking wrongly in a bad way about God or about other people, get rid of it. Obscene talk, a dirty language, abusive speech shouldn't be on our lips. These are the kind of things that split churches, that destroy God's people, that are incompatible with the love that God wants us to have for each other. And the other thing that shouldn't come out of our lips in verse 9 is lies. Don't lie to each other. If you can't tell the truth, then say nothing. Friends, all these things belong to the old life, the earthly life. We said no to that. We have a new life in Christ. We have a new identity. Paul says in verse 9, we have put off the old self with its practices, and we've put on the new self. When we receive Christ the Lord, we deliberately decide we're not going to be like that anymore. We're going to live the new life that is consistent with the new spiritual reality. That was the decisive putting off of the old self and putting on the new. But putting it into practice, oh, that happens day by day. And so day by day, incident by incident, temptation by temptation, we've got to say no to these earthly ways and to put, on, and to put away those behaviours that are, that are not meant to be ours anymore. And deliberately say to ourselves, when we're tempted to act that way, hang on, hang on, hang on, who am I now? Is this who I am now? No, 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 I belong to Jesus. I've been raised with him. I've already decided to put the old self away. So I will, I will say no to that behavior that, that feels so natural to my sinful nature, but is fundamentally at odds with my real identity. And that happens step by step as God shows us more and more about himself and more and more how he wants us to live. From the second half of verse 10 reminds us that this, that this new self is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of his creator. And that's encouraging, isn't it? Right? Because on the one hand, we ought to take responsibility for getting rid of those things that we talked about. On the other hand, we see that God is changing us to be more like Christ as we, as we get to know him better and better. And friends, that is not a special thing for special people. That's for all of us who belong to Christ. Verse 11 says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Right, we don't need to be circumcised to live this new life. Don't have to be a particular race for it. Don't need to be educated for it. We belong to Christ. Whatever our background, we have this new life. We can live this new life. We can walk in Christ. And that is what God wants us to do. So what have we seen, friends? We've seen that we've been raised with Christ, that we have a glorious future with Him when He returns, and so we need to live now in light of that. 
We've seen that we have put off the old self with its practices. We've put on the new self that is a once and for all decisive decision when we said, I am not that person. I am this person. I'm not living for myself anymore. I have received Christ Jesus the Lord as my Lord. And this new self is now being changed into the image of Christ. And that is true for every one of us who is in Christ. But we've seen it takes deliberate effort to put this into practice. The Colossian Christians need to be reminded about that, and so do we. The command is to put to death those wicked things in verse 5. To put away the ungodly behavior in verse 8. means it's not automatic. It's not without effort. But it is motivated by what God has done for us in Christ. It is motivated by grace. Paul will go on to give a positive list of virtues that we had to put on instead of these negative things. And we will look at them the next time we are in Colossians. But for now, I'd like to appeal to us uh, to spend some time this week, preferably today, to examine our own lives. Are there things the Holy Spirit is telling us from this passage that we are to put to death? That we have to deal decisively with? and stop altogether. Are there things we need to put off? Are there ways of relating and behaving that we kind of like grew accustomed to over many years, but they, they don't actually reflect the character of Christ? Spend some time this week to consider who you are in Christ and ask God to show you if there are things from this passage that He wants you to get rid of. And if there are, then confess them specifically by name to God. Consider how good God is to you. Consider the grace, the kindness He has shown you by, by cancelling the record of the debt of your sin, nailing it to the cross when Jesus paid the price on your behalf. Consider how much God loves you and that He has raised you with Christ and He will glorify you when He appears. Isn't being in Christ so much better than sexual immorality? Isn't being forgiven so much better than holding that grudge? Don't you love God more than you love that sin? Of course you do. You know that. You've already decided to follow Jesus as Lord. See that through. And get rid of those things which are inconsistent with your new identity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, has ascended into heaven. We thank you that we who have received him as Lord have spiritually been raised and seated with him there. And we thank you that you are, you are changing us into his image, even as we live here on earth. And so we pray, please help us to put away those things in our lives that are not consistent with our new identity. May we take them seriously, deal with them decisively, knowing that we're no longer to walk in sin, but to walk in Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen.